From the untamed wilderness to the freshwater shores of the greatest lakes, Michigan's Upper Peninsula is an outdoor lover's paradise and the country's best kept secret. My name is Kristen Ogenini, a lifelong youper and the newest host of the iconic UP Outdoors television program, Discovering, and it's my honor to carry on the tradition of the best outdoor storytellers of this region. So sit back, listen, and discover what it's like to live and play in this amazing place we call the UP. Today's Discover the UP podcast is brought to you by Big Valley Ford, Dodge Chrysler Jeep in Ewan, Michigan, BAM Tools, Hardcore Outfitters of Iron Mountain, and Cooking Wild Seasonings. This week, I have a great interview with Roger Lebin, Tribal Elder and Water Resources Specialist for the Lockview Desert Band of Lake Superior Chippewa in the Western UP. The state of Michigan has a state tree, the white pine, a state stone, the Petoskey stone, a state bird, the robin, a state fish, mammal, reptile, flower, fossil, and even a soil that are symbols of our beautiful state. Last year, one more was added. Manumin, the Anishinaabe word for wild rice, became our state native grain. Manumin is a sacred and important component to many wetlands and is of tremendous cultural significance to indigenous people. On November 29th of 2023, Governor Whitmer signed into law HB 4852, making Manumin the official Michigan state native grain, which takes effect in February of this year. Roger Lebin was at that historic bill signing. Roger started advocating and fighting for protection of wild rice in Michigan 20 years ago when the tribe started restoration efforts on Lac Vue Desert in 2003. The problem the Lac Vue Desert tribe faced was that their wild rice beds are not on tribal lands, but on public waters, and since the wild rice had no protection, the tribe couldn't prosecute people who maliciously destroyed the rice beds they were trying to restore. Also, within the tribe, they have their own harvest regulations to help protect the grain from overharvest, but those regulations don't pertain to the public who can also harvest wild rice. So the tribe's restoration efforts had many setbacks. After the bill signing, I met with Roger to talk about what the new state status of Manuman means to him and his restoration and conservation efforts. The, I've been advocating for the wild rice or Manuman to get a, a status so that it could have some protection. So it could, so the resource itself would have harvesting regulations because or the tribes have, I shouldn't say all of them, a lot of, like for us, we have regulations on how we are able to harvest wild rice, and we can only harvest wild rice in that method. But there is no regulations or requirements for, for harvesting or for protection, or even doing restoration work in the state of Michigan, like in Wisconsin and Minnesota. When I started advocating for wild rice to have a, a status so that it could be protected and preserved, 
was all, all the way back in 2003 when we were doing our restoration work out on Vieux after we were successful in litigation with Wisconsin Valley Improvement Company. And they had to lower the waters. And there were some, some people that weren't very happy with it. So they were actually dragging bed springs through our, our project, our restoration site. When we tried to prosecute them, there was nothing on the books to prosecute them. And the only thing that we could cite them for was the U.S. Forest Service cited them for malicious destruction. And it was a $100 fine and the court told them don't do it anymore. I started ask, asking for protection, kind of like what Wisconsin and Minnesota had and harvesting regulations and, and everything else. And we've been having difficulty in preserving some of our restoration sites, even with, with Eagle, because some of the lake associations and riparian owners um, have been applying for herbicide or chemical permits for invasive species. The herbicides aren't, aren't very selective to just, you know, invasive species. It, it, it affected our wild rice projects or, or wild rice. I mean, even Eagle was um, not being mindful of what they were doing in, you know, to, I mean, the tribes kind of were, because of the problems, um, didn't have a lot of, or sharing a lot of knowledge of project sites. And so, um, you know, there's been a lot of, lot of problems in trying to in our restoration efforts with herbicide treatments. Um, so it was um, a very big emotional day for me when the, the bill was gonna be signed. And I had asked for you know, a status, whether it be concerned, endangered, threatened. I understood that the governor could, could do a concerned for the resource, so I, mean, I, was, I was trying everything. And I think part of one of the things that I, in discussion with the, the Governor Schneider was, he was fearful of the fact that if they, if they moved ahead with it at that point, that it would be very much protected like some of the other things, you know, like, like the trillium, like you know, some of the other things, like the flower, like, like, like the robin, like, you know, it would be hands off. And, I guess that was what his fear was. And, but, you know, that's really not what we want. What we wanted was to be able to, to preserve it and have a, a set of regulations to very much like the tribal members do when they go out and harvest. So when I wasn't getting anywhere, I, I started advocating for the tribes to move forward to try to get to, to the table with uh, the state and federal agencies to address Manuman issues because of our, at that point, the 12 tribes in Michigan have a restoration program going. Some of them are really going strong. Some of them are, you know, getting underway. But we needed to address the, the, the issues and to have a status. 
because I wasn't getting anywhere that we needed to sit down. And so five years ago, the Michigan Wild Rice Initiative was, was put in after uh, a very close friend by the name of Jim Goodhart with the Great Lakes Water Division helped organize the first meeting five years ago. That was just before COVID. We started trying to address and trying to get this, this accomplished. And so when we start talking to the tribes and the people and the legislators, they, they came up with the idea to have the wild rice to become the Michigan State native grain. When it was approved, it was a lot more than what I expected. We had this bill in the Senate for three sessions. This was, this was actually the third session that it was, that it was approved in. We, we had difficulty getting it through the Senate. And so this year we made it really that we wanted to get it done before Christmas break for this session. And so the governor signed it on November 29th. It's going to become effective in February of 2024. And so um, it was really a very emotional day for me to get that after almost two decades of fighting for it. And um, so it was, it was an honor to be sitting alongside her and Carrie, the, the uh, representative who proposed it to do that. So it was very uh, comforting. Uh, it was an honor and it was very emotional for me to, to participate in that signing of, of the bill. Today's Discover the UP podcast is brought to you by Cooking Wild Seasonings. Cooking Wild Seasonings, flavor and meat. Just mix, heat, and eat. That simple, you bet. Now even easier with our new grab-and-go four-pack cartons. Four combinations to choose from. Whitetail Hunter, Deer Camp, Summer Sausage, and Fresh Sausage. Make it fresh, make it yours. Make it easy. Grab a four-pack today. Available at various locations, including all Chris Northwood's neighborhood store locations. Find out more about Cooking Wild Seasonings at cookingwildseasonings.com. When I sat down with the governor, I thanked her for basically signing the permit. The permit to allow the Michigan Wild Rice Initiative to move forward and make recommendations for the regulations and... The Michigan Wild Rice Initiative is um, moving forward. Before the bill was signed, we were doing a what we call a, a stewardship document. It's a stewardship plan where the tribes and the state and federal agencies are going to be working together to accomplish getting that status and doing all that and what some of the things that you know we needed to do, whether it be harvesting regulations, whether it be restoration efforts. And so the bill kind of fell in line just because the stewardship plan is going to be ready for uh, disbursement and presenting to the, to the general, general public. And there is going to be regulations that are going to be proposed and the legislators are going to have to do it. We need to figure out which department is going to actually encompass or assume authority for doing that. 
there is some concern about, because Kerry actually was on the Department of, Department of Agriculture Committee, and we really don't want it to fall under the Department of Agriculture because it was never the intention of the tribes to make it a commodity. It was to restore wild rice to as, as close or towards what it was like before it was a state, when the, the original Three Fires people were here. And it was very dominant across the, across the state. But as, as progress moved through the state, it was actually removed from the land. And actually it was uh, removed from a lot of the tribes, especially the ones in lower Michigan. We started the restoration effort here. My uncle and my grandparents started the restoration work back in 1972. That was when um, I was introduced to wild rice for the first time and we had to go to uh, a lake, Stella Lake, down in northern Wisconsin to get our rice because our rice on Lac Air was totally destroyed from the dam. And so we wanted, you know, my grandparents and my uncle had this vision of trying to bring it back to Air. So we kind of started that independently in, this, in the late 70s, in the late 80s, uh, when Glyphwick was there, my uncle was on the the delegate for the Great Lakes Indian Fish and Wildlife Commission. Um, that was one of the initial projects of the commission that, that was formed after the affirmation of our, our treaty rights of 1842 and being able to exercise a lot of other, other rights, not only in, you know the spearfishing, which caused a lot of controversy in the 80s and a lot of other things. But the Glyphwick supported my uncle's vision of trying to return it. So, you know, he wanted, wanted to work with the Wisconsin Valley to be able to bring it back because of the unregulated waters, uh, we couldn't gain any ground. And so when their uh, permit was going, due to expire in 1987, we asked them to sit down with us and try to work out an agreement where they would work with us to try to allow us to lower the water level and have a maximum, but there, there was uh, very little cooperation. And so the Forest Service, uh, the legal department from the U.S. Department of Agriculture and the Forest Service, who we've been working with, um, and the Michigan and, and Wisconsin DNR, uh, the BIA, uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife, uh, Glyphwick, all made a move to put a stipulation in the permit that Wisconsin Valley got. However, it was not well accepted, and so we were in litigation from 1987 to 2002. And in 2002, after the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals in Washington, D.C., affirmed the right and left that stipulation in their license, um, Wisconsin Valley conceded, and as part of that that court case there, um, we were ordered to do an adaptive management plan. We were given, we were allowed to do a 10-year test period and try to restore lowering the water level and trying to restore the rice. So a couple of things happened. There was a lot of animosity for the lowering of the lake 
you know, the resort owners and repairing owners, and I mean, who had been complaining about erosion and a lot of other things, but they still didn't like the fact that the water was going to be lowered. So they, uh, whoever it was, they were, I, I call them vandals because I really don't know what, how they were associated with everything, but they didn't want the wild rice to be successful on Vue Air. And when they were doing that vandalism and destroying it, um, they, that was when I said, we need to get a status for, for wild rice to protect it because it, it's very important to, to my tribe, to my, my spirituality, to my culture, to our traditions. And um, it was why my uncle and my grandparents wanted it, it to return to, to Lacrides there. And so again, um, when I stood beside the governor and she signed that, um, and we took pictures and, and it was given, it was a long, hard fight. But I have to say, I mean, I didn't do it by myself. It's because um, I started uh, working with the other tribes to do their developing their restoration projects, start working and uh, doing education and outreach and not limiting it to, to tribes, tribal members, but it was to, to everybody because in order for us to uh, be successful, the tribes had to count on everybody else to, to help them because even, even, even our 14 restoration sites, none of them are within tribal boundaries. So, you know, we're, we're actually doing it on general waters, public waters. And so um, any regulations we have as a, um, as a tribe are not applicable to non-tribal members. So the, the regulations and everything that's going to be as a result of this bill will has gotten the tribes and the state and federal agencies and the legislators together to start developing a package to, for the protection and preservation of wild rice. Today's Discover the UP podcast is brought to you by BAM Tools. My friend Andrew wants to help support this podcast, but didn't know how he should advertise his business, so here goes. BAM Tools is a small, family-owned, and operated business out of Ewan, Michigan, but they cover the entire UP, delivering tools to all sorts of businesses. Inside the tool truck are hand tools, power tools, automotive shop supplies, and so much more. I should tell Andrew I need a new Grizzly cooler, preferably blue. BAM Tools is also a tech tire supplies distributor, and Travis is the guy behind the wheel of that truck. So if you see Andrew or Travis in a BAM Tools truck, tell them thanks for supporting this podcast. I asked Roger if that bill was necessary in order to regulate and protect the wild rice. It's going to accelerate it, I believe. It's how do you, now that, now that it has the sta status of the state of Michigan state grain, native grain, how do you go out and, and protect it and who's going to be the enforcement and who's going to do, do the regulations? And one of the things that uh, I've encouraged, I just returned from a meeting in Traverse City. It was a... Uh, a quarterly meeting of the Michigan Tribal Environmental Group, which is um, 
usually the tribal people that are involved with you know wild rice their restoration and and those types of things education and outreach so i asked them that uh, we prepare ourselves to be the leaders to work with the states to make these recommendations for uh, the policies and and the regulations that again the tribes have their own regulations they do have their own conservation codes so anything that's going to be be proposed would be for the general public. And it, it is not going to prohibit the general public from harvesting wild rice. It would give them direction on how to harvest wild rice respectfully and in a, in a good way. Uh, and also teach them how to process it. it would, you know, would give them a way to prepare them uh, or educate them on how to prepare it properly but it would also be a means to sharing the, the, the cultural sensitivity between the tribes and the non-tribal people, and maybe even have a, a respect for the resource, as, as the, the tribes do. In their teachings, they believe that all things, the trees and a lot of other things, have, are, are living things, and they have living spirits. So there is a spirit within that, that resource as a lot of things like the, like the deer, whatever. But, you know, to be respectful and mindful and be able to do it. It's something that until you can come to appreciate it and, and understand it, um, and especially to the culture of, of the indigenous people, that's where, you know, we need to do that education and outreach. Minnesota and Wisconsin have recognized it as a, an important resource and have got policies and regulations to do it for you know, the non-tribal people. One of the things that is different in Michigan as opposed to Wisconsin and Minnesota is the fact that as progress and civilization started moving westward in that treaty era, in 1842, the Three Fires people in the state of Michigan and northern Wisconsin, you know, ceded their territories. And in the treaties, what they did is they turned their, their rights over to the land with the exception of being able to hunt, gather, and harvest. And in those treaties, one of the things that was very important, and it's even mentioned in the treaties, is, is wild rice, the preservation of wild rice. But with certain things that, that have happened and trying to move the indigenous people west and everything, the tribes out in Wisconsin and Minnesota learned that they needed to have reservations. So and a lot of the reservations, I, I can't say all of them, but a majority of the reservations were located on wild rice beds or manumen beds. So the reservations, so the wild rice was within the reservations as they were granted reservations. So, I mean, it's even like for us, we didn't become a federally recognized tribe until 1988. And so our land base, I mean, what we worked with before was, we were actually part of, the federal government re recognized us as members of Keweenaw Bay Indian community. 
And so we didn't get our, our own independence until 1988 when we became a federally recognized tribe. We were recognized by the state prior to that and during our fight for federal recognition. So our land base is, is very, very small compared to a lot of the other reservations. So like I say, a lot of our, our, our 14 sites for restoration are on public waters. So it was more important for our tribe and our restoration project to be able to get this status for, for protection because no matter what the tribe and the laws and conservation code, they were not applicable to anybody else who was part of or wanted to harvest off the, the rice beds that we were restoring. Today's Discover the UP podcast is brought to you by Big Valley Ford Dodge Chrysler Jeep in Ewan, Michigan. When I'm traveling around the UP, I'm surprised and not surprised by how often the vehicle in front of me has a Big Valley sticker on it. Big Valley Ford Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram is located in the tiny town of Ewan on the west end of the Upper Peninsula. People from across the region buy their new and used cars and trucks from Big Valley and they drive all the way back to Ewan to get them serviced. Which reminds me, I'm probably due for an oil change myself. I'm on my fourth new Ford vehicle with over half a million miles under their tires, so I'm probably due for a tire rotation too. Big Valley is a one-stop shop for all your vehicle needs with a full service department, parts department, and body shop. I got caught in a hailstorm once with my last truck and they made it look just like new. If you're looking for a new or used vehicle, go see them in Ewan or check out their inventory online at bigvalley.biz. I asked Roger how the restoration efforts are going currently on Lockbeat is there. The restoration efforts, it went really, really strong up until 2012. 2013, we started noticing that the bed started to go into a decline. And so right now the tribe is, um, uh, looking at trying to develop an, an adaptive management policies and trying to determine the impact of climate change and trying to determine what what it can do to return the the lake itself back into the habitat that it was when the wild rice flourished um, and that was one of the reasons that you participated in one of our efforts to identify when you took the drone up on the, on the three creeks, um, that was also trying to improve the flow of those two, three creeks. So that's kind of what we're, what we're doing is we're, we're trying to do that research to figure out what we can do to try to get that habitat back to have that rice flourish to those conditions that that wild rice will flourish. And we, we need, the, need the protection, but we also need the participation of the U.S. Forest Service. And right now, the tribe has overcome a lot of those early animosities, whereas the tribe and the Lake, lake Association and the riparian owners have some common goals, for example, uh, like even increasing and bringing back the wildlife population out on, on Lafayette is there. They have a very strong interest in 
uh, participating in the restoration efforts and the monitoring, monitoring of wild rice on Lac Butazair. Not only on Lac Butazair, but the local, uh, they call Lake Guardians, the Invasive Species Control Coalition of Waters Meat is um, very interested in, in working with us with our hatchery. They, they help us gather eggs in the spring. They help us when we eliminate and, and, and reduce the, the fry or the fingerlings in our, in our hatchery and, and doing our stocking. So uh, we've come a long way from that, that time when they were dragging bed springs through our, our rice beds to be holding hands and working on projects to this day. Trying to get it back to what they call pure Michigan, to those waters. <laughs> Roger and I are also hoping to make a documentary in the near future about the restoration efforts of wild rice in the Western UP over the past 20 years. A sequel to the 2004 documentary film Manuman Ojibwe Spirit Food by Dr. Michael Lokanen. Back in the fall of 2022, I went out to a site on the Michigan-Wisconsin border with Roger to talk about manumen and see the traditional process of harvesting wild rice and processing it. And you can find that story on my YouTube channel, Discover the UP. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for future episodes of the Discover the UP podcast.